0: the intro
1: beast net is brought to you by james safety services here we discuss all things fitness running rucking endurance obstacle course racing and more welcome to the beast net hey everybody out there in beast net land hammer here and on this episode of beast net we're talking with endurance project mastermind dennis welch dennis how are you
0: good man how's it going
1: guys It's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about yourself outside of Endurance Project first.
0: Outside, as uh, my background, or in terms of uh, a forty-year-old man just living the dream. You know, what do you guys want to (laughs) hear? I I mean, just I don't know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so obviously, I come from you know Endurance background. Was a runner in college and ran for years. Did OCR before I came down with the funky genetic heart. genetic heart issue but right now i'm just uh you know i'm a dad of two little kids uh got a daughter that's four years old um son's two my wife my siberian husky dog bo um I'm, I'm an engineer by day when i'm not coaching and it's kind of what it is and then i uh also coach high school cross country
1: Whew. Man, it sounds like you're pretty busy
0: <laughs> oh yeah if they uh <laughs> if they make a 68 hour day i'd like to have it
1: yeah, right? Man, that's crazy. Two kids, you got a Siberian Husky that's probably got uh, probably got separation anxiety, which is everybody that I know that has one has, you know, they have separation anxiety, but...
0: Well, um, yeah, the interesting, the interesting thing about that is just getting them out and running them. You know, everybody wants a Husky because they're pretty and they're a great dog, but they are high energy and yeah. you got to get them out and run them. And that's what I do regularly. And I have... My dog pull my, you know, a tire. I got a tire harness for the dog and I'll kind of tire him out a little bit every day. And, um, as long as you get their energy out, they're good dogs. Great dogs, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, after, after I said it, then I was like, well, you know, he's probably got a really good way of keeping the dog busy. So, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know, it's pretty self-explanatory. You're, you know, you're an endurance runner and you know, you're a coach and I figure, yeah, he's got to be out there running the dog. So,
0: <laughs> well, it's one of those things where uh huskies are very high strong and I'm very high strong. I don't sit still. I don't <laughs> do anything like I if I can get 10 15 minutes to sit down, that's a good day. Like I'm just not that type of guy. So, I yeah. I guess if I was a uh, you know, re- recreated or you know, reincarnated animal, it'd probably be a husky cuz I just have that kind of energy, so I get it, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that. I, um, I'm so used to just everything being so chaotic in life that whenever I sit down and actually relax, I start to like, my mind actually starts to wonder. I'm like, okay, what's happening right now? Like everything is just too calm. It's too quiet. Like something's yeah,
0: gotta think, be going on. I think we all need a certain amount of chaos in our life just to keep things interesting. You know, like if it's not chaotic. Then it kind of gets boring, you know?
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I have lots of uh, lots of projects. My wife is like, why don't you just finish one, and then start the next one after you finish the current one? And I'm like, no, I use yeah, projects all the time.
0: That's too easy. Like, <laughs> you might as well have 37 of them going on, so you can you know string one on for like exactly. three years. You know,
1: exactly. Endurance project. What is it, and what do you hope people will get from it?
0: Oh, that's a big question. But okay, so um, the endurance <laughs> project. I endurance project has started. Years and years ago, long before I ever really got into coaching. But um, I'd always had a vision, you know, years and years back, 20 years back, um, you know, to try to bring a community get together around fitness, I guess, being the driving force in the vehicle behind it. Um, so um, in 2009, I moved down to Virginia from Rhode Island. My wife's from on, And so I, I moved down to Virginia. I was working down there, transferred down there for a job. And I found a running group down there and, uh, you know, I became a big part of the running group and stuff. But the thing about the running group, they didn't have, they didn't really have an idea what they were doing. They just, they were actually a pretty big group, but they didn't really have a leader or anybody that was kind of knowledgeable about running or how to get in better running shape or anything. So, you know, coming from a running background, I ran all through high school, ran in college, was a pretty good runner and stuff. Um, you know, I knew at least the ins and outs. It was pretty good at it, and I enjoyed coaching even more than I actually enjoyed running myself. So a couple of people wanted to get better in the marathon or whatever the distance was, and um, so I started working with them, and I trained them, and I helped them get better. And then, of course, it was kind of the word-of-mouth thing. It was like, you know, of course, you're in a group of a couple hundred people, and all of a sudden, 10 of them, like, start shining through, and they're doing really well. Then everybody else goes, well, why are you doing so well? And so it was kind of, you know, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And at the time I was running with a group called Hampton Roads Runners. And it was down there in Virginia Beach area. At that point, I had more and more people reaching out to me for individual coaching. And so then I was like, well, maybe I should just start my own group. So it wasn't even my idea, really. I mean, I was just helping friends and coaching friends and stuff. And my wife and a few other people that I coached said, hey, you know, you should start a group or whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. And it was kind of. You know, now social media is getting big and it was out, you know, 2009 was when Instagram social media was kind of getting really big. So it's like, oh, sure, I'll try it. And it's just kind of taken off from there. And it's just been, you know, word of mouth and um, basically people having success. And um, it's kind of grown from there, you know, from the grassroots. And then I guess if I was to say, like, what do I want out of it or what do I want people to enjoy out of it is just finding the best out of themselves, you know, reaching their potential, but at the same time enjoying it and having fun and being a part of a team. Um, I think the team dynamic is the most important thing. And of course not everybody can have that, but if you can, if you go out for a 20 mile run or five mile run, whatever it is, or do a workout, it's a lot more enjoyable if you can do it with someone else versus slugging through it by yourself. So it's kind of always been my goal to bring that aspect, you know, Together and then, the ultimate goal was to bring it to satellite groups all around the country, so that anywhere that anybody traveled for work or whatever else, you know, if you lived in New York City and you were part of an endurance project group, travel to San Diego for work or whatever, then you could find a you know endurance project group there and join them. You know, so that was kind of the whole yeah. aspect, and that's what I'm still working on. Obviously, it's slow and steady, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and that's kind of where we're at. You know and continuing to grow. Yeah,
1: that's that's honestly, like, I don't know, I, I say this about a lot of things, but that's actually, like, super cool um, that, you know, it started out just unsuspectingly, it started out as, you know, running with a group of people, and then it builds from just kind of coaching others in the group, and then it just blows up out of nowhere. So did you did you ever think maybe, like, starting out, at all that it would even get this like that it would be this big. I mean, it just sounds like it just kind of like took off, and I I can't imagine being in that kind of situation where like, man, maybe I should just make this my focus. You know?
0: Well, and you know, like I told you before, like it's kind of one of those things. I'm high energy person. I try to, you know, my goal has always been I, and I don't yeah. know what you know about my image, I guess around OCR and stuff, but I'm I mean on social media and stuff, I'm a little bit of, I'm abrasive. I'm not necessarily a bad guy. I'm just honest, you know what I mean? And that's kind of my approach with everything I do. And, but at the same time, I genuinely care about people. I, I want to, you know, for people to avoid injuries. I want to help people, you know, correct their running form or, you know, get healthy or get fit, whatever that means for each individual, you know, maybe it's, you know, lowering your blood pressure or, um, whatever it is, you know, just dropping baby weight if you're a female or whatever. And it's just been my, I've always wanted to help people. I mean, from the time I was a kid in high school when I was running and I was, you know, one of the top distance runners in Oklahoma, which is where I come from. Even then I kind of coached. you know, like my track coach back then was a football coach that just happened to also be the track coach, but he didn't know anything about track and running. So yeah, back then I was eating up what you could eat up on the internet in 1992. Um, you know, which wasn't <laughs> much. Um, and I was reading all our articles and whatever and trying to help inspire people. I'm not inspire people. I was just trying to like learn new ways to like make us better as a team distance running. And, uh, So I kind of coached the distance team and, you know, he kind of gave me that right and, you know, let me do it, which was cool. Um, So ever since then, I've always gravitated to coaching and I've always enjoyed it. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to just wanting to help people reach their goals, you know, I mean, whatever that might be. And it might be just to be the best in the sport or it may just be to get off the couch and have fun, like, you know. Pardon my French exactly. or not pardon it, but um. oh, no. I'm good.
1: <laughs> You're good. Yeah. I mean, on, on, on that note, yeah, I definitely get that. I, I get how you come across as being honest or abrasive. I mean, I get that in a lot of ways. I get that at work. I get that in my social life as well, where people are like, man, this guy's an hole. But at the same time, they know I've got their back and I'll give them the shirt off of my back any given time of the day doesn't matter when like I'm I'm all I'm all about that because my my dad was actually one of the biggest influences of that where when I growing up I, I saw my dad would basically go out of his way to help anybody and everybody that he could if he you know if he had the opportunity to if it wasn't you know detrimental to us or or anything else he would always help out in any way that he could and it's it stuck with me, you know, and I've, I've basically got the same mentality. Second part on that, I, I noticed you said that you were from Oklahoma. What part?
0: So the far northeast corner, they okay. have a little thing, if you're even remotely knowledgeable of that area, called KOAM, which is Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and all the yep. four corners touch each other. Well, I'm about five miles from Missouri, 12 miles from Arkansas, you know 20 miles from missouri i mean so it's like all in that you know little corner tight knit corner and that's pretty much where i'm from about as far northeastern oklahoma as you can get that's where i'm at (laughs) awesome yeah it's it's the hill country so it's the uh the base of the ozark hill country so a lot of people like even my wife so my wife's from Rhode island here where we live now but you know she of course, everybody hears Oklahoma the song and like, oh, you know, wind comes sleeping yeah, the yeah. plains type thing. No, I. So that's what she thought. Yeah, so the that. first time we went there, she's like, "Wow, it's really like hilly and like there's a lot of trees and it's like really pretty here." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, I live in the far northeast corner. I don't live in the hand So.
1: Yeah, I spent a majority of my life in southwestern Oklahoma. Um, Ochoa, my yeah. parents, yeah, yeah, my uh, my dad retired in the hole known as lawton and, oh lawton. Uh, yeah very familiar with that area like <laughs> a lot
0: of friends <laughs> lives there Got a, yeah i know where that's at.
1: oh yeah my uh my parents still live there i'm trying to get them to move uh up here to Ironic. my neck of the woods in, in washington and um so yeah um i spent about i'd say uh, f- 15 i think 15 years or so over there no let's see 13 i think 13 years i spent in um in oklahoma and that was
0: uh, good. yeah i uh i absolutely I knew I hate it for some reason
1: <laughs> i absolutely hate how flat it is where where that was um oh yeah well we, lot, yeah
0: that's not you're not getting a lot of uh, no, not the pretty area but oh yeah
1: not at all it's all dead grass dead trees um everybody always says oh let's go to the mountain for fun and the Mountains like fourteen hundred feet tall, and when I moved here, I was like, "Man, those people have no idea what a flipping mountain is." No, like, no, this is mountains over here.
0: No, it's yeah, it's definitely a different mentality for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, the one thing I absolutely don't miss is the heat. I hate the heat there. I went to visit my parents a couple years ago, and I'm so I you know I, when I moved up here, I was acclimated to Oklahoma, and I got here and they were in the middle of a heat wave. that was like, I don't know, 95. And they're like, Oh my gosh, it's so hot. And I'm standing outside with a jacket on. And they're like, why are you wearing a jacket? And I'm like, it's cold out. Oh,
0: and, and in and, uh, and
1: Washington, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. In Washington. So yeah. Well, yeah, when I first moved up to Washington from Oklahoma, sorry, I didn't, I meant, I meant to specify that, but, um, cause I kind of sidebarred from my original point. Um, so then when I visited my parents in Oklahoma, after being up here a couple of years and being acclimated to the climate up here, I got down there and I stepped off the plane. And I was just like, was basically just my whole body was just assaulted by, you know, heat and moisture and. Ugh.
0: Well, there's a, you know, it's, a, it's funny. There's a beauty to that. And I'll bring it back to kind of where we're going here with the whole endurance training and stuff like that. I love, love running in the heat, love training in the heat because I grew up doing it. And I mean, I'm talking two a day's football practice and running, yeah. you know, cross country and track in high school. The heat's my jam. So it was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny when I moved to other places, especially like up north or anywhere else. Like um, there's a actual race in my neighborhood here in Rhode Island. And it's in August every year and it might be 85, 90 with... 30 40 percent humidity nothing crazy i'm used to like 110 or whatever in august with like 99 percent humidity and two years in a row i just crushed everybody i mean like and i didn't even run that fast i mean i literally like you know 95 percent effort maybe 90 percent effort even i just crushed everybody but they were just folded in the heat and i loved it because i mean i grew up doing that hauling hay for 12 hours a day in that it was like yeah. my own backyard, <laughs> and it was like, give me the hotter course, the most humidity you can give me, and that's where I excel. Like that's always been my bread and butter because I grew up doing it for twenty years. You know,
1: exactly. What are your What are some of your favorite moments from you know your running background or maybe your coaching career or any any of your favorite favorite moment moments overall?
0: Oh man, as a runner, man, it's I'll tell you like so. I ran. What's that?
1: I said, way to narrow it down, hammer.
0: Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying, so that's actually a great question because, um, so as a runner, you know, you run for years and stuff and mostly it's a very selfish and individual sport. And 2010, when I moved down to Virginia, I said, I moved down there in 2009. So shortly after I moved down there, I did a race. I did a five K or something on the, uh, boardwalk down in Virginia beach. And I saw these like, um, you know, groups of athletes and it was like these guys and women pushing these like specialized like wheelchairs, basically what it was. And they were pushing these um athletes in the chairs, right? So afterwards, like I was like, God damn, you know, I won the race, whatever, no big deal. But like afterwards, like this guy come up to me and say, Hey, you know, like you're like a really fast runner or whatever, like, um, have you ever thought about like pushing like disabled athletes? I'm like, well, what do you mean? And He's like, no, we're a part of a group. It's called Team Hoyt. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, I'm really intrigued about it. So so a little backstory before that. So growing up, I had uh, a really good friend who, you know, had like cerebral palsy and stuff. And we were really close friends all through school and high school and stuff. And, um, you know, he had special needs and everything or whatever. So, like I said, great friends, whatever. And I always wondered what, you know, he was a huge sports fan, but he couldn't play sports. And then so... Yeah. I run this race, and this guy comes to me, and he says, hey, uh, would you like to join the team? I said, well, what's the team? He says, Team Hoyt. So I go home, and I Google it, and it's like, holy shit. And I don't know if you know about Team Hoyt, but it's uh, it started as a father-son um, duo, Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt, and it was basically a dad who his son, who had, I believe, cerebral palsy or some other issue, but basically was confined to a chair, and He couldn't run or couldn't play sports, but he wanted to be involved. And there was a 5k coming up at his school when he was like, I don't know, eight, 10 years old. And he wanted to be involved in it. So he came home and he told his dad, I want to do it. And his dad says, well, how, I mean, how are you going to do it? He says, well, put me in a chair and push me. So that's what he did. He basically put him in at the time. It was just a wheelchair and he ran a 5k and he did it with his son. And, You know, his son comes across the finish line, big smile, super happy. And then it just changed, like, Dick, which is the dad, his whole mindset. He's like, I got to continue doing this. So Dick, in his own right, was, a I mean, just insane. And if you Google them, if you don't know about them, they're rock stars. I mean, you go to Boston, like, Boston Marathon. I mean, they've done it for, like, 40 years straight. They just are, like, absolute, like, they get, and I've done Boston five times with them. Team Hoyt, and they get a bigger crowd, like screaming, like screeching, than than all the elites ever would. I mean, they just are rock stars of Boston. So, I would have to say my entire where I've been the most happiest running was pushing athletes for Team Hoyt, and I've I did that for years, and I ran Boston with them five times, and um, I did two years pushing a rider athlete, and then three years. Leading my friend Michael Davis, who's a blind athlete, so I basically was like, you know, handcuffed to him with the rope, and we did Boston yeah. together three times. And I would say that was hands down, no questions asked, the best moments of my running career. No problem.
1: Wow, that's that's completely and totally honorable, man. That's that's amazing, and actually, it's it's really um, really touching too. I mean, because you know, and, and, and sadly, and not a lot of you know, even in this day and age, there's not a lot of awareness when it comes to um, people with special needs. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit further than what it used to be. um, But I still feel like there's a lot of people out there that are really um, just, you know, naive to the world of special needs individuals. I grew up with, um, you know, growing up with my sister, my sister has Um, special needs she has a form of autism it's called tuberous sclerosis and she actually has yeah and she has like um yeah so she has that and um so she um now she's what when she was I think it was like man maybe when she was like five or six I don't remember exactly when it was but I remember my parents were like super distraught because at a lot at the time, there really wasn't a lot known about it, and it was still kind of one of those. Um, I wouldn't say it was like a newer, um, like a newer type of diagnosis, but it was still kind of like a um, like a derivative of autism that, that really didn't have a lot of information. I remember the doctors telling her, you know, telling my parents that you know they would be lucky if she lived to be 20 years old. And I remember them just being like crazy distraught, and, and it was, you know, it was heartbreaking. And now she's, she's how old is she now? I'm, let's see, she's 31. It's crazy because she's, I wouldn't say she's fully independent because she's not really that good with finances or, um, or with numbers. But I mean, in every other way, in other, every other aspect of life, she is self-sufficient. She's, you know, she's responsible. She has a job um she she has a means of transportation she's um and it's and it's awesome you know the the how people i guess adapt and overcome it still kind of i don't know perplexes me that there's i I still run into people all the time that that are so i guess naive or or don't know anything about um special needs individuals and and sometimes you know I feel like that can be beneficial for them to actually know about
0: well i don't know it
1: it, to me that's really heartwarming man and i i really really commend you for that
0: well i think the thing is is like no, the term is literally ignorance i mean um it's not a bad thing it's not you you know there's a difference between ignorance and stupid or dumb so ignorance isn't a bad thing just doesn't mean you know you just don't know about this certain circumstance or you know awareness or whatever the thing about the special needs community, which is interesting, if you've been with them around enough, and you obviously say you have a sister, it, you know, in that same realm, and I've been around hundreds of athletes in the special needs community. When you do something that lights them up, meaning that you do something that really brings excitement to their life, they are a completely different person. I mean, I have pushed kids or adults; doesn't matter. And I mean, I've had parents come to me and say they've never shown this side of their self. I've never seen this in them. They're so freaking excited to get out there and do this every day, every week. How the f- can I, with my legs and my own human body, not want to do that? You know what I mean? Like, I have pushed yeah. hundreds of miles for kids and athletes and stuff, disabled athletes. And I'm telling you. I've never actually had a kid in all the hundreds of miles I pushed, kids or adults, freak out in the chair. Never. Not once. They love it, yeah. man. They freaking love it. And the faster I would go, the better, the more they would scream, the more they would like laugh and <laughs> have an excitement. So I would yeah. crush myself. I mean, I ran races where I would never have pushed myself to that limit on my own. But for yeah. those kids, I pushed myself. The absolute brink of collapse, and I was scared sometimes to the point where I thought I might actually collapse. You know what I mean? Like, but I yeah. was just—they were enjoying it that much, so why the hell not just give give them what I had? You know what I mean? Whatever I could,
1: yeah,
0: afford them. Why not?
1: Exactly, man. That's truly awesome, man. That's ah, uh, that's so cool,
0: dude. And I tell is. you, I, I would. And I'm trying to get it, and I'm trying to like. I keep, you know, even my athletes that I coach and top OCR athletes, I'm trying to get guys like Hunter and other athletes like, dude, just join Team Hoyt, Gene, you know, join Team Ainsley Angels and like all these other like, like because they've like now Team Hoyt was the original group and then they've kind of like branched out. and There's like several groups now that does the same thing. But like, guys, yeah. nice. like, like, just do it, man. Like it's like you'll never feel better about yourself in life than doing this for these kids man like it's just like just do it do
1: you like the beast net do you want to keep hearing it be sure to follow us on facebook twitter instagram and more at BeastNetPod. pod kind of getting back into more like the you know like the more structured stuff um i see that you've talked on um on your endurance project podcast um a few times about high rocks so high rocks is still fairly new to me. Um, I haven't really been following a lot of the you know, ins and outs of um, athleticism and OCR and, and that kind of community for a while. Um, since my time changed for my job, I switched schedules. I was on graveyard and that was whenever I had all my free time to do all my races and all that. Um, and now that I'm on a different shift, like, things are way more chaotic and I really don't have as much time. So like I said, HyRox Rocks is still very new to me, um, so I kind of wanted to talk to you about what do you, do you feel like, and this is just a, you know something I maybe thought of last week, was like, do you feel like that High Rocks is kind of the next generation or like the next level of like athletic competition, considering that it's, you know, it's so inclusive of all different types of athleticism and that it's spectator friendly and very easily televised.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily next like level or, or, I guess if you are asking my opinion, yeah, I think it's definitely the way to go because one it's, you know, everybody can do the same thing and you know what you're training for. Um, you know, as a coach, like if I know my athletes are training for high rocks, it's very easy program for because um, well it's pretty much set in stone what you know you have to do and you can train specifically for it just like if you were a 400 meter runner you know how to train for the 400 meters or if you threw the shot put you throw the shot put you know Um, then the big factor is yeah the uh, fact that it's very um, you know fan specific so you can you know as a uh, observer or you know as a fan you can you know spectator you can watch it directly you can see where everybody's at you have a good understanding of that and that's that's every sport you know i mean every sport that's like successful it's all about um bringing to the fans you know i mean there's you know yeah. football would be you know the nfl would be nothing if you didn't have the fans um oh yeah exactly. so uh, w- once you you know build up a audience and you have somebody that wants to not even necessarily pay for it but just somebody wants to do it and like observe it then yeah you continue to like have a a huge audience you know and back in the day you had small things like american gladiators and stuff and um i don't know how old you are but like i remember as a kid (laughs) staying up till midnight midnight to watch it um and it's the same type mindset. Like you have to have the audience. Like if there's nobody interested in it, who gives a shit? like, like can't yeah. pay somebody money or put them on the spotlight and expect them to do well. If there's nobody there to watch it. You know, yeah. like nobody goes out and breaks world records in the dark on their own. They do it in front of a crowd. Right. Yeah.
1: Basically. Um, now they, high rocks, they originated out of what I think it was Germany. Right.
0: Yeah, they started in Germany. Well, that's yeah, it's basically where they started at. And they um, were almost exclusively in Germany for... I think they started in 2018. So they've been there up until they did the uh, first U.S. competition in uh, Miami, which is was at the end of uh, 2019. And then, of course, they then had New York City and Chicago. Now they're moving to Dallas and then uh, L.A. Oh. And then they go over to the... Uh, I think Berlin, which is where they do their uh, championship in April. But, um, you know, when I was in Chicago and um, you know, several of my athletes do it. So I was there in Chicago and I talked to the uh, owner and the director. And I don't know if this is – he didn't say otherwise. So he didn't say I couldn't say. But uh, I don't know if this is exclusive or not. But they were talking about um, the world championship next year being in Vegas. So –
1: Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I know, so Europe is more, I know Europe, they, they could go out and watch endurance sports all day long. That's kind of like their big thing. And I know that here in the U S it's more of like a, you know, everybody wants that instant gratification. They want to, you know, they want action and results now and they're not. Um, but I think that's kind of taken somewhat of a change. Um, here, I noticed that, um, it's, you know, with like, especially with the world of OCR, it's kind of started out as kind of like a niche genre or like a niche, um, sport. And then it's, it's just grown into this, this bigger realm. And with that, I feel like, um, things like high rocks and things like the CrossFit competitions and, um, the more localized, more, um, you know, fan friendly, spectator friendly. Not to say that, you know, like some of the OCR events aren't, because they are. They have like the events area and all that. Um, but I feel like it's kind of making a change here in the US to where we're kind of gravitating towards this now. And people are starting to say, oh, hey, check this out. You know, I wouldn't normally watch this, but this is actually pretty interesting. Um, and I think a contributor to the. Uh, one of the things i talked about with uh, one of my past interviews was that in the ocr community you you get a lot of encounters like chance encounters with maybe some of your favorite athletes where you know in any other form of professional you know sports you wouldn't normally get that unless you unless you normally paid like, you know, hundreds of dollars for like a VIP experience. Whereas with, you know, OCR or something like, you know, high Rocks, any of these athletic competition uh, areas, you could just be walking through the event center and, Oh, Hey, there's my, there's my favorite elite athlete, or there's, you know, somebody that, you know, I've, I've idolized or somebody that I've really been influenced by for so many years. And then, you sit down or even just stand there and have a five, 10 minute, hour long, however long conversation. And you figure out that these people are super down to earth and you just, you don't get that in any other sport. Like the community I think is what's kind of making this more, more of a big thing. And that's, we, we try to talk about that a lot. Um, Especially on here is the community, because I feel like that's one of our biggest influencers
0: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, the community and like OCR um, and even like if you are into running, like pure running, like it's the same thing. But like OCR is big with it. So, you know, I'm good friends with like Hunter McIntyre, like we're good bros. We, you know, we hung out, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, his mom actually lives right down the street from me. So when he comes over to Rhode Island, which is where he's from originally, or he's actually from New York, whatever, but his mom lives here now. Um, So when he comes into town for holiday or whatever, like we hang out, we work out and stuff. But big thing about like a lot of the OCR athletes is they're genuine. Right. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I guess maybe if like they were thrown millions of dollars or something, like maybe they might be different, but I don't think so. Mm So, you know, you look at like Hunter or Atkins or Nicole miracle, or it doesn't matter who it is. Like, um, you know, I coach several, you know, Elite female athletes like Alyssa Hawley and Callie Schoichart and uh, Morgan Schultz and stuff they're just down to earth people because that's what they mm-hmm. are you know what I mean like they're not they don't feel like I guess they're at some level that they can't like communicate with the common person if yeah. that's what you want to call it so you know the one thing that like Hunter like for instance I'll say you know we're good friends and stuff but he's just he, he just freaking remembers everybody I mean I've been to races with him over the years for 7 8 years now and he'll just like someone will come up out of the blue and just be like hey hunter you probably don't remember me but like I met you like in you know 2010 at the Boston Fenway Spartan and he's like oh yeah like yeah how's your sonny you know son Johnny doing like and the guy will be like oh you remember my son's name but that's just how hunter is he's just crazy like that so like yeah. absolutely like the more you can rub elbows with the top people, the more the top people aren't like dickheads, (laughs) you know, for lack of a better term. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so that's the one thing I think OCR like is great about because like you, you can, you know, you can go to a race and if, if they had trading cards for, you know, Rose Wetzel or Hunter McIntyre or whoever, you could actually legitimately go there and meet them and, even probably like do a open race with them, you know, where you can never yeah. do that in another sport. You you can never go down on the football field and throw, you know, the football with, you know, whoever, you know, Tom Brady or whatever. You, you just couldn't, you know, unless you paid a lot of money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. I'm going to kind of wrap it up here a little bit because I know it's getting laid over on your, your side of the planet there. And, um <laughs> and my wife's been home from from work for a little bit and as soon as she walked in the door was when I had to start this so
0: yeah yeah um, I hear you yeah <laughs>
1: but um so before we go do you have any um professional prof uh, ugh, do you have any professional promotional or personal shout outs?
0: um no not really I mean like obviously like my whole thing is the endurance project and stuff but like so I brought in um three other coaches recently so i mean i have been doing it by myself for years but i mean i've brought in three other coaches recently and that's uh Alyssa holly and morgan schultz and kelly schweikart who are like three elite females in the spartan world and honestly like it's just i mean we all have the same mindset and it's just helping people out and just helping them reach their goals and you know having a good time and enjoying the sport and You know, I think OCR is one of those sports where it's like anything else. It's, I guess it can be a hobby, but at the same time, it's just fun. You know I mean? Like as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, you can call it a sport, you can call it a hobby, you can call it whatever you want. But if you're enjoying what you're doing, that's all that really matters. And, uh, you know, we're kind of all here in the same boat, you know, as the four of us for coaches, you know, as far as that goes for the endurance project, just kind of working to help people out and, You know, whatever your goal is, like reach out to us and we can help you with that.
1: Cool. Awesome. Um, And lastly, the last thing before, I I always wanted to, I always see if our our guests could actually lead us out with uh, some words of encouragement.
0: Ah, okay. Well, encouragement, I mean, kind of one of those things where you just kind of need to find what it is that you want to do, right? So your goal, I guess, paint a target um maybe it's a 5k run or maybe it's a ocr or, or lifting comp- competition or bi- bikini competition whatever it is like doesn't matter what it is like it's just one of those things like find something that you're really interested in what you enjoy what you can wake up every day and enjoy and like get up for and that motivates you and if it does that. If it motivates you to wake up and like get the f- out of your bed and put your feet on the ground and say, "Damn, I'm ready to start the day," that's pretty much it. Like that's that's all you really need to do. Like find something that does that. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Play the guitar, run a Spartan race, whatever. Doesn't matter. Just find something that makes you just go, f- "I'm I'm ready." Wake up and get my day started. <laughs> do that. Do that. Yeah
1: well there you go like you said you're you're matter of fact and very to the point Um, (laughs) yeah
0: that's pretty much me
1: (laughs) awesome well uh dennis thank you so much for getting out there and doing what you love and for also building us up into better versions of ourselves and also thank you for being a part of beastnet tonight yeah man thanks for listening to the beastnet podcast if you haven't done it yet find us on facebook like and share the podcast